Okay, folks, I have another warning for you. This episode has lots of cussing. You've been warned. Now, let's get to today's episode. Welcome to Planet Noun, where it's all about the people, places, things, and ideas that teach us, prompt us to make a difference, and do more with what life presents. I'm excited about this one. Actually, this one and another episode that we're dropping next Thursday, a week from today, Planet Noun's first collaboration ever... And it's with Liliana and Tamara of the Barely Bougie Mamas. It's a podcast. Now, a capsule-sized explanation of their cast. It's about two moms who grew up in poverty, but they've crafted lives for themselves and their kids that are totally different from their own upbringings. Now, my sister and I joined them at Liliana's home in Southern California for some kikiing and some questions. And if you don't remember my sister, Leah, she was a guest on episode nine. That was the one talking about uh, an ailment that we both share, uterine fibroids. You can check out episode nine to find out more about that. Now, a little background. Tamara and I met the afternoon this was recorded. It was in early October. Now, Liliana and I, we grew up together and my sister and I have known her for years. Um, A matter of fact, we go so far back. I actually don't remember when we met. I've just always known her. So anyway, that's enough intro and let's get to the show. Guests Liliana and Tamara of Barely Bougie Mamas and also my sister Leah right here on Planet Noun. I think the first time I heard about the like idea about um, this particular topic, I think you sent me a text message. We said you had an idea for uh, oh, a an episode. Oh, an episode. And then later on. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah. So Liz started her podcast last summer mm-hmm. is when I first found out about her podcast. And I was like, oh, you know what would be a really good conversation to have is with mom, ghetto moms who have now made it out, air quotes, of <laughs> the ghetto <laughs> and are raising kids in the suburbs. And the challenges we face by not knowing how to deal with these fucking, like, kids that are allowed... Oh, Planet Now doesn't you cuss. Can... <laughs> well, there's, there's some cussing in there. There's some cussing in there. But no, I you, Liliana, doesn't, words, Liliana doesn't... But... You, you bleep out inwards? Sometimes, yeah. Okay. See? See? You was going to get on your high... She's about to get up on the high horse. Okay. She had her leg kicking over to the high horse. Just talk. You. Do you? Do you? Yeah. I was like, Liliana about to drop off because she, she quick for a big old MF. <laughs> she'll drop an MF and I'll be like, oh, God, yeah, that was MF's, a big one. MF's a star. MF's can say. You know, so but, listen, you I, know, in words, I just bleep. But people know what they, know what it is. So oh, they I'll make sure know. they know what it's going to be. I bet you'll miss some of mine. That's okay. <laughs> you know, if I do, well. Oh, well. <laughs> Silent in the background. <laughs> like, ooh, that's too much. I, I gotta, this, gotta publish. So... <laughs> So, yes, so I approached Liz about it, and we had a fairly long conversation mm. about whether or not, what what the episode should look like, mm. and I was, and before that, you and I, Tamara and I had discussed having a podcast, but we was like, what are we going to talk about? Oh, I remember that conversation. Yeah, remember, mm-hmm. it was like on the playground after school, mm-hmm. when you were picking up, so that's kind of where the seed the germination of the seed for the podcast started so so where did you two meet at school oh okay so your kids went to the same school our kids went to the same school okay not even that they played together Mm -hmm. we were just the few black parents and then we were the kind of people that like made sure we knew each other and Liliana is kind of a busybody at that school at that (laughs) particular school she was very active and Uh she made sure that everybody knew her or you knew her Mm -hmm. Well, and not not to say okay, so I, yes, I'm gonna own the busybodiness. Mm-hmm. But the other thing that I um, made sure to do was make sure to make contact with all the black parents, like all the black moms. I, if you listen to our last episode, um, "Barely Bougie Mamas," about the mommy mafia, I was a little bit crazy with black moms. Like I'd be like, "Hey, how you doing? Where you going?" <laughs> no, no, no. Right? But listen, you understand? Look, she hasn't said nothing. She was like, "No, I get that shit." Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So we, so that's one of the ways we we connected. And then our kids like didn't even like each other. Like, like hey, just didn't know each other or well, didn't she like had, each other. She no, the, two, the 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 kids were in the same class. She has a boy and I have a girl. And in kindergarten, that makes a difference, right? Boys yeah. play with boys and girls play, play with, with girls. girls. So that's true. There was that, but then there was also like. Mm, 
Yeah, no. They just didn't. And then once they got older into like a first and second, they just weren't, they didn't gravitate towards each other. Oh, okay, okay. They didn't not like each other, mm-hmm. but I remember saying, are you going to invite um, Irene to the party? And he was like, who's that? I was like, damn. <laughs> I was like, Miss Awari's daughter? Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> You he knew you. Miss <laughs> 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 <Ms>. Busybody. <laughs> that lady, so, oh yeah. <laughs> so gravitating to each other. Yeah. Um, so it was, okay, first of all, the black factor. Making right. sure you knew all the black parents. Mm-hmm. Now, aside from that, like, what kept you gravitated to each other? Because, you know, you can meet and you, you can be like, okay, she a black parent. Okay, so oh for me, because I'm very um, stuck up. Okay. I don't fuck with a lot of people. <laughs> Like I'm very like. Well, why does I have to be stuck up though? Well, the bouginess of it, because it's rude sometimes. Because like I'm very nice, <laughs> but then at the same time, if I don't deal with you, I just don't deal with you. Mm-hmm. So, her, I don't let the people do that to me. That's probably true. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I even tried to ice you at all. I can't remember because she just always stayed. She had too much information for you not to talk to her. Mm. That was one of the things. So number one, for me as the new parent onto the campus, and I wasn't staying in the area anymore, all kind of things had happened. So for me, she was the source. Mm -hmm. She was the plug. So if she got the plug to the principal and whatever, I'm going to stay fucking with her. But she's also married to an African man. Mm -hmm. I'm married to an African man. Oh yeah, that those was African men conversations, yeah. baby. Yeah. That was another. I forgot about that. Nah, yeah. I don't forget. <laughs> <laughs> so that for me, that's that was the thing that kept me, us coming back together. Mm-hmm. To me, that's what made it where I didn't have to stay because there's a certain way that you act with other parents, right? Like. Mm-hmm. You have to put on some kind of It's a little bit of a front. It's not exactly the front that you put on when you go to work. Like the cross, uh, what is that called? The context, not context switching. The Code switching. Code switching. So it's not the same code switch that you do when you go to work. Mm -hmm. But you don't know these people. They're legit just strangers and your kids are in the same class. So you don't give them all of your thing, all of you. So it's it's a... So us having African husbands and the, the jokes that we were able to have made it be like, okay, okay, I can tell you the truth. Right. <laughs> sort of. Kind of. <laughs> From time to time. She's still learning things. Truths <laughs> are still coming out. <laughs> well, and I feel like I have learned in my old age not to be judgmental, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, probably 25-year-old me would have been like, I ain't fucking with that bitch. She is just too much. Mm-hmm. Right? Or whatever, for whatever reasons. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm like, I now at this point, again, our kids are in the same class. We are both black parents. And she was an advocate for all of the kids, not just the kids in the specialized program, which I was as well. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, so she's not completely all about her and her and getting getting for her. She's more about, what's that, each one, teach one? Mm-hmm. Equality. I speak for all the kids that are impoverished. Now, say what you were going to say. No, that's, how I I cu- that's how I cuss. I censor myself in cussing. So you'll notice the only cuss word I say is hard. The other ones, I can censor my... I'd be like, he said that ish, and I was like... I don't censor myself when I cuss. No, you don't. But I I I have realized, it's a side note, that I don't cuss at people. I cuss when I'm speaking. But I don't say, what the fuck you doing, bitch? Right? Like, I I don't... You don't talk, yeah. I, when I'm, I'm like, this motherfucker, listen to what happened. And it's in your storytelling. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a part of my narrative. It's not yeah. necessarily a part of, like, I'm I not think, And I think people. my is the opposite. Yeah. I can cuss someone out. Yeah. I don't so when I use curse words, I'm coming for said, you. Right. Matter of fact. Yeah. That's how it is. If I'm using curse words, we're getting it in. Or I'm upset. Mm-hmm. So what is that Malcolm X thing? You only use curse words when you don't have enough words in your vocabulary to express yourself, something like that. That shit really took to heart to me back whenever Malcolm X came out. Mm -hmm. You know I seen the movie, bitch. Don't try that. (laughs) 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 I bought the book so that when (laughs) would come over, they would see it. I had that one. I had Message to the Black Man. I had um, uh, the autobiography of Malcolm X. Uh, the autobiography of Elaine Brown. 
uh, they came before Columbus. I can tell you all the ones that you have in the 90s right. to get you a nice, conscious dude. <laughs> So when did you realize that, okay, you have the conversations about African husbands, and that was the link that kind of kept you all together. When did you start realizing that, hey, we have similar backgrounds growing up, and now our children have similar backgrounds, but their backgrounds are not like the way we grew up. Uh, yeah, they're being raised, you know, in, in a different way for whatever reasons. Well, probably around, like... So we've started knowing we started knowing each other when in kindergarten when the kids were in kindergarten. So probably around third grade. Oh, I know when. I know exactly when. When she had to move from the Pasadena area. Yes, that's when our connection came because I had to be honest with somebody and be like, I can't afford to stay here anymore. Right. I am priced out. My mom had had a stroke, so she was now living with us. I'm married. Um, my husband had been laid off, and so he was. It changing his whole career. Mm-hmm. And I was working a basic-ass job. Mm-hmm. Um, and no disrespect to people working basic jobs, but, like, because it was making my, my money. You were, you were I was family. living, and I was... Um, but I wasn't able to save anything. There could not be any emergency. Like, anytime if if a, if I got a flat tire, I had to call somebody to let right. me borrow $200 or something to, to be able to really get it in. So... Being able to talk to somebody and just be honest, like, my son's going to be late to school because we're now driving 60 miles to get here. And somebody being compassionate about it. Right. That's really what it was. And then when you started working at the school, oh yeah, that too that, changed it because it was like, why are you working here? Right. And people, like, when I started working at the school, people assumed it was because we needed the money. And, yes, I did need the money. Amen. Um, because that's what I use, but essentially that's what we use for extracurricular activities for the girls. Um, and, but what the real reason I started working at the school, because in the same vein, I could have gone and worked, started a professional job in corporate America. Mm -hmm. The real reason was because I wanted to keep an eye on these motherfuckers. That's so crazy. (laughs) So when she found out I was working at the school, she was like, okay, so keep an eye on these motherfuckers for my baby too. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and, and, and it got like that because now I'm coming from 60 miles away. If something happens at that school, get there in 10 minutes, no, right. so I can because what happened is I kept them in the school out here because I still worked out here. So my job was still out here. The kids were in school out here, but no matter how much money I was making, I could only afford to live 60 miles away. Right. So I would always have to go to work. She would know what parents would be there, who could who could watch the kids at the school until I got there. She would be like the intel of right. what was going on. Right. I, yeah. And then I would make an appointment to find her because she worked there. So if I'm at the school at any time of the day, I'm like, where's she at? And I go yeah, find like her. a couple of times over the loudspeaker, bitch. I, I got a job. I got stuff to do. <laughs> See, I, I, would, in, I come in the office. Yes. Oh. But see, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know. <laughs> I wouldn't know that that's how they would do it. Yeah, I would no, just I tell somebody just, in the office, like, "Yo, where's Liliana? I went to the computer lab. She ain't there." Right, because that's where I was supposed to be, and I was off doing something I wasn't supposed yeah, to be doing. Yeah. <laughs> but that goes back to them bitches being so intimidated by me that they would just go ahead and get on the loudspeaker and call somebody because that's real extra. But just because I asked where somebody at, you could just say, she's not, I don't know where she is. I, I can leave a message. Because that's what I would have said. I would have like, I don't know where she is. What you want me to tell her when I see her? Right. Okay, thanks. I'm not going to be like, oh my gosh. You need Elizabeth? Hold on. Over the loud finger. Excuse me. Now, going back to... Um, I know one of some of the episodes, uh, Barely Bougie Mommies, Mamas, you talk about like the differences in, in how you were brought up. And so I know growing up in L.A., um, you, you said you grew up in, I know in the episode we were listening to. Oh, you listened Puente? to an episode? How cool. <laughs> I grew up in La Puente. La Puente, okay. I'm from the, um, what is that? Is that the suburbs? If you guys are from L.A., then I'm from the Valley. Yeah, we can call it the Valley. Yeah. Okay. We're still very much California people, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My mom, my grandma lived off 102nd in Maine. <laughs> <laughs> we passed that to go home. Okay. Sometimes <laughs> <laughs> after dark. Okay. <laughs> like, na- navigating the whole 
city landscape. So I know some of the times we would catch the bus past Nickerson Gardens after dark, like in high school. Right, yeah. And we knew how to navigate. We were still sheltered. The way we grew up was still very, very sheltered. Are you Seven Day Adventist and mm-hmm. all that stuff? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's how we grew up now. Yes. Yeah. You've probably been to church more times this year than I have. Well, but, yeah, but you know that's a listen to listen to the conversation. Um, expectations episode. Oh, okay. <laughs> a very Find out more. Mama. <laughs> Find out more. Okay. And so, just uh, like navigating um, the areas, like when it was after I was an adult, I realized that wow, some gangster. Yeah, it was pretty. It's pretty really, dangerous. Yeah, it's environment. Like the area where I think. I can't remember, like, different sets of the Crips. They came together at the theater on, like, Imperial. Oh, Western. Nickerson Gardens was... That's East. east it was, that. like... That's scary. Like, so, of the 80s mm-hmm. and the 90s, like, when we grew up, mm-hmm. if I said something about Nickerson Gardens, that's scary. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm from like, I'm from West Covina, La Puente. It's mm-hmm. so... Far from Valley me. and suburban. Mm-hmm. In 92, where were you guys? When those and riots how, took place. So oh, the riots mm. started on Florence smell and Normandy. <laughs> you said smelling smoke. See? Right? And you mm-hmm. guys grew up on Western, mm-hmm. which is one Western. block east of Florence and Normandy? Um, we no, were. It's, it's less it's than a mile. It's less than a mile. It's about, um, yeah, less than a mile. Less, oh, less than a mile, but we're like southwest of that. Florence yeah. and Normandy, we're going to use that again. I grew up on Florence and Crenshaw, which was probably a mile east of... Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so it, it's totally different. Yeah, because mm-hmm. you guys experienced that, right? I watched that on the news. Mm-hmm. Right. No, and we just were like, "Oh, we can't go to LA. We can't get on the one ten. Can't get on the ten. Can't get on the one ten. We're not going that way." And then that was just the end of it. Mm-hmm. My neighborhood was more um, a black kid being found beat down, right? Because he had got jumped by some s from some Mexicans mm-hmm. or stomped out. I grew up where it was like, oh, if you got into a fight with a Mexican girl, you're going to fight her for the rest of your fucking life. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it was like, when you fight her, do you fight her? Or do you just let her beat you so that I don't have to fight this girl? Every week. Every every month. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess it was the same type of foolishness. It was But foolishness. I was all up in it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> y'all was, See, y'all was like, we weren't in it. We were <laughs> well, well, because you're, you're saying you're going to get beat up. We had it was a whole different level of violence. Yeah, you're talking about getting murdered. Yeah, not like yeah. you guys getting murdered, but like and that kind of area. Yeah, if you decide to jump into that shit, just just know that you are yeah. changing your life ex- expectations. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, and ours were yeah. ours was just race. Right, it was legitimate, just race. Mm-hmm. You're going to get into fights because you're the black kid in this Mexican neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Oh. Wow. wow, you're gonna get into fights. Y'all so, like, in stark oh. contrast, mm-hmm. in stark contrast to how we're raising our children, mm-hmm. right? Like, I don't, I don't even know that my kids have ever been in a actual physical fight uh-huh. at school, like, or even seen one at school. Anyone like ever just tease them or push up on them just because, like, in a in a violent sort of way, not just yeah. using words, but in a violent yes, way. Yes, see, look at that, the Mexican girls. <laughs> Was my were trying to bully my oldest daughter, and she has always been like tall, and one of the little girls, the smaller Mexican, more petite girls, in second or third grade, just kept kept poking at her, and finally she punched her in the face. My daughter punched her in the face. Mm-hmm. That's what's up. Yeah, that's you, exactly. And so, <laughs> right, like so when so, and then they went and told the noon aid, which. Still tells you that our school is a little bit ghetto, but the new Nate was like, "Well, you should have left her alone," <laughs> and walked away. Right? So there is. So I guess that's not true that they they have been in altercations, but the oldest one, not the other two, and that was kind of an extreme situation because it took a lot for her to get to that point. Exactly. My son won't hit nobody, even if they come for him. Even if they fucking come for him. And I'd be trying to tell him, you better punch that back. Like, you gotta, you need to hit him back. And he and he'll say something like, "I can't beat him up though." Like, because this particular <laughs> kid, <laughs> this particular kid was bigger than him. He was like, I mean, I don't even know if he was bigger. Because now that I'm thinking about it, I think his presence was bigger uh-huh. because mm-hmm. he was so hood okay. as a little kid. No, 
uh, the little light skin hood one that used to punch him in the balls. Oh. What are we talking about? That deserves a Okay, tail. wait. Hold on a second. Oh, but this was fucking... Edit the name out. Edit the name out. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wait. <laughs> See? That's why. <laughs> that little boy better stop. Mess no, with he's, he's not gonna. <laughs> why not? Because he is actually pretty violent. He is pretty. Oh, so your kid was just being logical. Like, he, and so that's the part. Like, <laughs> I think my son was being smart. Mm-hmm. He's like, I can't beat him up. Mm-hmm. He's going to keep coming for me if I try to do something. Mm-hmm. So, no, I'm not going to hit him back. But I'm going to just go tail. But that's the opposite of a ghetto kid, right? Because, like, if we grew up in a ghetto and you keep getting bullied, then you go get your cousin, your uncle, mm-hmm. your 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 friend down the street. Like, you go get your gang to come and beat up his gang. That's mm-hmm. kind of what it would be. But these, our kids are like, no, I'm just going to go tail because violence doesn't <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I, I blame it. I blame it all. You see something, say something. You see? That's what I'm saying. Wait, so no, let's talk about this bougie shit. My son is now going to a charter middle school, mm-hmm. and so all the fucking charter school kids have cell phones. Mm-hmm. And so on the first week of school, it's like, okay, everybody get your phones out. We're all going to download an app. So they downloaded an app, and it was a bully reporting app. So if you're seeing something, you say something. So it's an app that says it's a snitching it's app. It's a snitch app. It's a snitch app. And so I tell him, I said, I said, wait. So all the kids have this. He was like, yeah. And if something happens and you feel like something's happening, you can just, you know, you can just tell, and you know, nobody knows. And I was like, so they want y'all to just snitch on each other. And he was like, mm-hmm. I bet they don't get stitches though. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so I told. I mean, that's that's cool, but that's totally different than yeah than my our our childhood and uh, and the mentality. Like you, no. First of all, you see something, you turn the fuck around and walk away. <laughs> you get away before somebody that go ask you questions come around. <laughs> okay, look, you see something? No, I didn't. <laughs> I was not even here. See what? <laughs> see what? You start looking, my eyes don't even work like that. <laughs> I was all the way over there. Okay. <laughs> uh, so what about dealing with, okay, I just remember some of the situations we had. The drunk people on the street, crackheads. I use crackheads loosely. Anybody who was. Drug addicts, you know, basically. Yeah, all heads. of them. Mm-hmm. And I remember this. I think he was a Vietnam vet. He had lost his legs. He was in a wheelchair. He would talk dirty to the young ladies, you know, walking by. Um, stuff like that. Like on Imperial and Avalon, I remember that's where he was. And um, do they even deal with any of that? Wow, no. Do they even know how to maneuver past No, you know what? If they saw him, they'd be money? like, can we give him some money? <laughs> you know what? I can, listen, let, me, let me tell you. Here, that's so funny. That's so funny. Because one time we were in the car... And my husband's daughter, who's older than my kids, like three or four years older, and we driving, not walking. It's not the same. So, like, it's not the same. Right. Y'all was walking past stuff. Anyway, walking past nothing. We driving. <laughs> but so we're driving, and my husband made sort of like a joke. He was like, oh, whoop, whoop, da, da, da. And she's like, are you making fun of someone less fortunate? <laughs> and I was like, the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> No, but you know what? It really set me straight because I was like, and that's why my kids are so fucking bougie because she was older than my kids. So when I seen that, I was like, you know, that is the right way to think about it because I don't know what got them into that circumstance. Mm -hmm. So they are someone that's just misfortunate. And that is what I really want my kids to to know and understand. They should still protect themselves around anyone that Mm -hmm. looks a little dangerous but ultimately i don't know why that person is like that so they should have compassion so but they're still bougie but they have the compassion for people but they've not experienced anything like that my kids don't walk (laughs) (laughs) okay look you should have seen her facial expression my kids i I can't even describe it 
what? Don't what are you that. talking about? Right. <laughs> 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 oh my gosh. Wow. I think we talked about it on our podcast because we traveled recently. We see this is some bougie shit. We went to Europe on a European summer vacation. Oh, nice! Mm-hmm. With my all black ass family in Europe, and see, nothing wrong with that. Okay. No, absolutely nothing wrong. It should be a trend and the norm. Amen. Um, so I, I wish that on to everybody listening yeah. that you travel with your family and just be black as fuck in every place that you go. But so we're walking, okay? <laughs> right. So when we're walking. And I realized, oh, my kids don't know that it's real when we say stay on the fucking sidewalk. <laughs> you can't. They race. think it's a suggestion. They think it's a suggestion. So they're walking and they're like skipping, arms are flailing, and like we're on vacation. And I'm like, get out of the road, go. <laughs> Stay to one side. Stay to one side. Stay together. Yeah, what's on happening? Yeah. <laughs> they think they do <laughs> So yeah, we need to work on walking. That was one of the things we talked about. We haven't done it. Like we walked to the mailbox a couple of times, and that's like like three houses over. So, <laughs> So my my kids don't walk either. <laughs> See? Um, yeah, no, we, we don't. Yeah, no. They don't do that. Like you know, the school literally, their school that they were going to, is less than a mile away. Okay, it's like three quarters of a mile, and it's on. A, they can walk a major street and get there. Mm-hmm. So like by third grade, theoretically, they could be walking to and from school, mm-hmm. opening a door, getting in the house. Mm-mm. <laughs> Beyond me as a mom, not letting them do it. My husband wouldn't let him do it. I yo, let's be honest. I think a lot of my strictness and the the protectiveness that ended up happening mm-hmm. came from being married to an African man, okay. because his makeup is totally different from ours. Mm-hmm. Like so, there was no neighborhood and ghetto people or any of that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, it was totally different. So he had this like, you know, Americans are crazy. So keep your mm-hmm. kids in the house. Like, <laughs> they were rip right, you and he, you. He, right, so God he has, he has yeah, a stereotype about See? America oh, black Americans. Black Americans, right. Oh, yeah. okay. And and just America in general. Like just he, America in general. It's he just thinks not it's as like safe. all, all mm-hmm. the, the T V shows, all the crime mm-hmm. and violence. Yeah, society Yeah. Yeah, well, it was, well, the was, was that was pretty realistic. <laughs> was pretty accurate. Because yes. <laughs> I'm sure yeah, we all know somebody who was minding their business and got shot. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's that L. See, I'm even separated from y'all. Oh yeah. I knew see, Mexicans see, that got shot like that. Mm-hmm. You're barely, barely bougie. You... <laughs> <laughs> yes. you call me Whitley Gilbert. <laughs> Compared to us, okay. <laughs> Not even us, because you guys, um, Liz and, and Leah, you guys had a father in the home. Mm-hmm. Oh, so that's we, totally different from us. Yeah, so we didn't have a father in the home, which is a whole nother reason why our kids are bougier than we are, mm-hmm. right? Because they're coming in and, like, I told my husband when I got pregnant, I was like, I have no idea how to raise a child in a partnership. I know how to do a benevolent dictatorship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> can, hence, I mean, can hence our said current situation. So one of the questions I had, since their kids are being raised in a different way than, than Liliana and Tamara grew up, I wanted to know if Tamara and Liliana's darlings have cultivated the same street sense that we had that we had to have while navigating the streets. Now, it's not like we were out there doing dirt and stuff like that, but there was a sense that we had to have in order to get to school and to get back home. Now, we were in the hood, but not of the hood, but we constantly knew what time it is. And when I say knowing what time it is, I'm not talking about a watch or a clock. We basically just knew the pulse of everything that was going on around us. So let's start this section with a story from my sister talking about that exact sense on Planet Now. I just came back from New York, and while we were there, we were we spent some time in Harlem. So we came out of the, um, I think we were like in the Red Rooster or whatever, 
and uh, we came outside and then there were just like one of the security guards was like oh they're back again telling one of his homies that was in the um in the restaurant and so just because of my background I'm scanning like, like who, who's, who's back who yeah. yeah who's back right so it's a group of guys over there and there's a group of guys like in front of the restaurant and then somebody some guys like this is mine and they're scuffling trying to pick up some paper bags and then all of a sudden these guys come running and all you heard was fist to head somebody oh, uh, hit the ground so you heard the, the crack head yeah hitting so after a while, I'm watching but after a while I'm like uh, let me get up inside because I don't know if somebody's <laughs> going to pull something out right, and, right, you know, right. spray the area or whatever. So, like, it took a split second. I was nosy for a split second, but then that whole... But South that's Central the whole LA. thing, and that's the stuff that I'm afraid of with these bougie-ass kids that I'm raising. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because... Like they know when something is about to pop off. Mm-hmm. No, they're... they're um, I don't want to say common sense because that's not what it is. But the common hood sense that you just yeah, right, kind right. of learn. It's like a your street a, sense. Your street sense or your poverty survival mode type thing. They don't have that. No. No, because my kids would have stood there and been like, ooh, what happened? And walk yeah, closer. Their phones, huh? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, no. You take a minute, you see what's going on. Mm-hmm, okay. Because you could look at it, right, and see, okay, it's just two bums fighting. Ain't nothing gonna happen. Mm-hmm. And walk right on past. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. But when it's. This was dudes that possibly. Yeah, exactly. Pull something out, so exactly. Like, and mm-hmm. even to know which guys are gonna pull something right. out and which guys are just gonna be fighting with their right. fists. That's, that's kind, a skill. Yeah. yeah, that's a skill that you have. You, that's I don't a have that one. That's a, that's a next level hood. Yes, mm-hmm. it is. Like reading people and just knowing <laughs> when to. Like, knowing when to be nosy. Yeah. And knowing when to kind of. But yeah, that's the next level. Wow, you guys were in the heart of LA, LA during all of that stuff. Yeah, Uh, yeah. I mean, I know. I just had (laughs) compassion in my heart at that moment when I really thought about how scared I was of LA Mm -hmm. from like '92. Well, no, I mean, I guess it stopped. So maybe like '90, '93. I was afraid of LA, but then I started coming to Crenshaw. That's because you're like 14. Yeah, that's, that's, because, that's because you you, you started getting um, blinded by the the ghetto fabulousness of it. No, no, I started getting niggas hollering at me. Yeah, that were blinded the, by the ghetto fabulousness. It wasn't about the ghetto fabulous of nothing. It was being in an area that black dudes could see me and respect oh, the booty okay. and having having oh, having different. admiration right, for the right, booty like right. that's all <laughs> for the whole thing. Like being in La Puente, the Mexican boys was not not I, I, were, I wasn't cute. Yeah, they were. Okay. I wasn't cute. I come to LA with my friend at a she was hood too. She was from Carson. And so that's not even hood. I mean, <laughs> But we that, was, go, that was where I did that to her. Okay, we'll oh, see? No, why? <laughs> but so whatever. So we would come to her daddy's house and like be with her cousins and stuff. And they were from like Carson and Compton. And that's when I was like, oh, this is where black folks are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't a ghetto fabulous. It was just my longing for always being around black people. I want to be around black folks. I don't care what the demographics are. I mean, not demographics, like the money. I don't care if everybody's broke or poor, the social economics. Mm-hmm. I don't care. All levels of black folks. I want us all to be together. Okay. Low-key isolated. Like, I'm not, you know, just us. So I was like, oh, the black people are in L.A. I want to go to L.A. Mm-hmm. But not like during the times when y'all was there. Like, not like Nickerson Gardens. Not like the jungles. Mm-hmm. Not like I'm afraid to go to that park. Not like none we're of that. all up in all. <laughs> <laughs> like the jungle. people in the jungle. Yeah, we have the jungle. Okay. All of the jungle's yeah. not bad. Right. I know now. I know now. But I'm thinking about the 90s. Yeah. Well, and we were 80s. Was it 80s? Yeah. It was 80s and late 80s. Late 80s. Like early 90s. Yeah, early 90s. 90s. Yeah. So when I say ghetto fabulous, I'm saying like that encompasses the, the fact that black men are excited to see you. And that that encompasses like the, the, um, the fun parts all, as well of being the fabulous of the ghetto because the ghetto is not all shooting and violence right. and, and all the rest right. of it. it's also the like hey 
hey, you know, mm-hmm. and the music and the, cookouts, the, uh, the cookouts yeah. and all the rest the of that. The camaraderie. Because that's when, so that was my thing, is that that's when I would come out to L.A. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's what's missing with my kids, because everybody with any kind of money or sense left L.A. Mm. Yeah. And they moved out, right? And so now I have my children. We don't have an L.A. house to go back to for the neighborhood cookout. Like, we used to go to my grandma's house when she was on the 102nd, and I knew all those niggas. Mm-hmm. And they were all my friends, and it wasn't a big deal. Rather, I mean, and, and I guess I do know, because as time passed, some of them did get murdered. Mm-hmm. And we'd come back over for the next couple of years, and I'm like, oh, he's not... They're like, no, you know, he's gone. Mm-hmm. Or he oh. joined Grape Street, so now... He can't he come can't over, come over mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, like, all of these different things. But my kids don't get that. No. There's no, you know... They get African stuff, though. Mm-hmm. We have African family that we go to, so they get a whole different experience from this. But that's still mm-hmm. bougie as fuck, too, because, because <laughs> I mean, like, let's be honest. Like, his African family, in compared to his American family, what did he say? Stark contrast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, engineers, nurses, doctors, uh, uh, lawyers, oncologists, uh-huh. crackheads, um, <laughs> truck drivers, alcoholics. Oh, this is my side. Uh-huh. You know, like, you mm-hmm. know, just hustling to surviving. Maybe a couple of teachers. You know, some service workers. Mm-hmm. So, it's already a big difference there. So, I think mm-hmm. my family is the hood side. Maybe. Oh, really? Maybe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still bougie. <laughs> you, can, you can claim it. I'm fine. <laughs> so when you came out here to L.A., I'd have to ask this. Did you ever have a Fox Hills Mall experience? You have dudes hollering at you there. At the Fox Hills Mall? Yes, because that was the place to be. No, we were always in the Delamo Mall. Oh, okay. Oh, see, yeah, okay. that's not the same thing, though. No, the Fox Hills Mall is where they shot Jackie Brown, right? I don't even know. I don't know. See, I just remember LL Cool J was at the trip store, that. and it, yeah. that place was packed. No, I remember the Fox Hills Mall, but I don't think I was allowed to go. Okay. Oh, okay. yeah. We went there on the bus by ourselves all the time. No, all see? Could you imagine? Yeah, bus passes. See? And I, I, had well bus, used. I had well a bus used. I had a bus pass, too. Could you imagine these kids with bus passes? No, I don't even know. They, but they use them? They still... They, I, if we <laughs> they don't walk. But they don't walk, right? And, but if we gave... I feel like sometimes if I just kind of got off my stuck-upness mm-hmm. and was like, listen, you're going to have to figure it out. I'm not picking you up. This is a card. This can get you on the bus. There's three buses. Your phone can tell you what bus to take. You're going to have to just do it. Because that's how my mom would have done me. If she had to fucking work, it was just like, I got to work. But listen, I'm going to tell you again, like I told you earlier, you can't just drop them off the side of the boat. <laughs> you, you, have got to, you have got to get it to them in baby steps. So, so what would those steps look So say if you decided to do that, what would those steps look like? Well, I don't plan, so let's see what Liliana says. She's going to drop them off the side of the no fucking... They will not walk. Or they either will not walk, or you got a bus pass that starting Monday, you got to take the bus home. And it's going to look like, exactly like that. Oh, my That's God. Exactly <laughs> Me personally, because I thought I thought about this, of course, when we were applying to a school that was out of the way of either um, my husband's job or my job, and so it would have been we would start the summer, and you and I are going to take the bus, right? And I'll show you where to get off, Mm -hmm. and we'll do that for a week or two, and only for the summer program that ends at noon, and then we'll go both ways with you, and then we'll go. I'll go with you going. And you come home by yourself. And then you go by yourself and come home by yourself for the, like, Thursday, Friday kind of mm-hmm. thing. Of course I had a plan. Well, I don't know what the fuck. Why would you just <laughs> drop them off? Well, right? Like, so that would have been, that would be my plan. And, like, my husband drives, uh, he was riding the bus for a while. He was commuting on the bus. And he was talking about this single mom who had a son. He was young, like kindergarten or something. And they would get on the bus together. And, you know, it was, they would sit up by the bus driver like you're supposed to. Mm -hmm. And so he recently got back on the, started riding the bus again. And he says, that boy is riding the bus by himself now. And he's like in sixth grade. Oh, wow. But of course, because if you know how to ride the bus from kindergarten, by the time you get to sixth grade, you know exactly how to ride the bus. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's not a foreign thing. Right. You completely understand it. So, I mean. My kids will probably never ride the bus, but it's just big fucking real. Like, I'll figure out. I, knowing my bougie ass, I'd call an Uber to pick him up. 
Mm-hmm. Hop, skip, drive. That's the better one. That's oh, the one for the kids. kids. Yeah, that's specifically you know, for kids. No, see, my the Uber drivers, they... No, like, I would call the homie, the, the, the Uber driver, that's the homie. Oh, okay. That works. Yeah. Like so many of them. Go to the area. <laughs> Get on your ass. So right now. You. Yeah, we calling you. No, no, no. I, but that's my, because I, I was that kid. I rode the bus since forever. I thought about the other day, like, things that my kids will probably never experience with me. They'll never have to push a car. Mm-hmm. Like, see, mm-hmm. I, so our poverty experiences were different in such different ways. Like, so I was in the... La Puente, the suburbs, right. but we were, we were poor. We were not well off. But, so we would always have cars that my mom would get from random places, whether a smoker, at the auction, or somebody would go to the auction. There was more than one time that we would have to push the car off the freeway, where I'd be in the, in the driver's seat at 10, 11, 12, mm-hmm. and my mom is pushing the car. Well, to get us a little bit when you say smoker you mean like crackhead smoker oh Drug- yeah okay okay just making sure yeah. that, oh, I'm okay. sorry I always mean smoker that's what I mean by smoker mm-hmm. okay. okay that's the only thing I think of yeah when I think of smoker just a, a crackhead okay that's a lot of smokers in my family but so we got drunks you got yeah, we have both <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. but you know not to to sidetrack the uh, conversation I've been doing some like ancestral work and realizing that you can have ances- that ancestral trauma of addiction mm-hmm. is so, strong. so strong, yeah. and it is so real. real. And yeah. if you can take any time to heal your ancestral trauma, mm-hmm. it's like it's almost deeper than trying to heal childhood trauma. Wow. Because mm-hmm. if your ancestors, your ancestors' traumas are healed, and it's easier to heal their traumas, you know, and now they're guiding you, they're guiding you with not as much yeah. trauma and bullshit trauma and, yeah. around them. They're able to just focus. So... That's just wanted to say that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Liliana be like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. You're my ancestors. Your ancestors will lead and lead you in prayer. <laughs> They'll be there, too. They'll be there, too. You will be in prayer all together. <laughs> Okay, y'all, so here's a question. Whose kids are more bougie? Also, Tamara tells us about some mind-blowing experiences that she has through her children. And this is where things got a little bit teary-eyed. And we also talk about, compared to how Liliana grew up, how Liliana's kids are like next-level bougie. (laughs) More of our conversation with Liliana and Tamara of Barely Bougie Mamas and my sister Leah on Planet Noun. So let's talk about some of the differences in activities that your your children, number one, your kids got to go to Europe. Family vacation. Okay, so that's one. But so what that's bougie. That's bougie. Yes. But Liliana got that's the bougie, bougie. Ch- Liliana got the bougie kids. Okay. Let's talk about <laughs> Let's be real. Kids. Wait, wait a minute. What instruments do your kids play, Liliana? Well, that... Just is a, is a clear question. <laughs> Cello. Cello, uh-huh. clarinet, and viola. Yes. <laughs> if that ain't some bougie shit, tell me that's some bougie shit. Okay, so this is the thing. You might have started <laughs> off a little higher bougie, but I'm taking it to the next level. Absolutely, you are. When it comes to music, I see nothing wrong. Like, it's right. not bougie to me. It's like you're like, what is it? Yeah, this is, it's an essential. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. it's an essential. No, it is. <laughs> it's like, did we? We did. We had like piano lessons. We had piano, bit, but I never stuck with it. But we mainly stuck with, like, choir. Yeah. Yeah. Well, see, and that's the thing, too, that I'm um, just acknowledging in this conversation a lot. You guys grew up in the hood, but that was not what you were. Right. If that makes sense. You're not of the hood. Whereas I wasn't in the hood, but everything about our life was hood style. (laughs) I didn't take no class. There was... No ballet. There was no gymnastics. There was no piano lesson. I did what the school freaking offered. So the school offered choir in the sixth grade. I joined the choir. And I was able to do everything that the school did with the choir. My first trip to Disneyland. My first trip to Knoxbury Farm. All of that shit was with the choir. My first time out of California with school. All of those things are with school. So my kids, when I say they're having a totally different experience, this is like magical to me. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, wait, you were in gymnastics for freaking six, eight, nine weeks, nine months. Like, we kept paying that. 
it was a part of our routine right, to right. take you there. That never happened for me. Mm-hmm. Okay. So like these are things that the activities that your kids are in. You needed. You need resources. Yeah. And you need funds, uniforms, all sorts of things, equipment. Period. Time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You need yeah. Time. You need time. My mother. We were. She worked from seven thirty to four thirty. We got to school. No, she worked from eight to four thirty. We got to school at 7.45, no matter what time the school fucking started. We were there at 7.45. So. Because she had to be to work. Because she had to be to work. <laughs> and we were there until 4.45 because she had to be to work. Mm-hmm. And we, that, so if you just, just plain math, there was no time for anything else besides church. Which <laughs> was <laughs> all, all, the time, all the time in the world. <laughs> <laughs> so between work and church... That was it. That's pretty much what we did. So the fact that my kids are getting private cello lessons, mm. private viola lessons, private clarinet lessons, that they are in the Pasadena Youth Orchestra, that they are um, in swim, that they are in gymnastics, that they got to try, try capoeira, that they got to try um, tennis lessons, that they got to try all of these things is just completely outside of the norm of what I was, how I was raised, which is part of why I'm concerned about them. Do you, does it blow your mind though that you're able to even do it or that your kids are even experiencing that? Does it blow my mind? No. Okay. It blows my mind <laughs> constantly. Every, like when my son got in, this is not even a poverty thing or not, or a bougie thing, but my son got into gate. I was like. Of the gifted and talented mm-hmm. educator. I was like, you mean, I was like, my son's in gate. I was like, yo, he's in gate. Like, that that was a lot to me because I struggled through every grade. I made it through school with personality and jokes and just being there. Right. And so for him to get that, I was like, wow. Yeah, the European trip, Mm -hmm. I I cried constantly on that trip because I did that from my mother being on and off crack. And I got my kids to fucking Europe. You low-key can't tell me much. So like, no, you can't tell me much. Not even low-key. You can't tell me much because I'm so proud of myself. Right. So even if this never takes a piano class or none of that shit, your life is like amazing because both of your parents are sober and they're there. Yeah. <laughs> like that could be the hard stop. Like they're both sober and there, and want to give you experiences. Right. So we may not have gotten to the different lessons and things like that because I just leveled up right. last year. It was a big old level up thing. I was like the <laughs> Sierra, but <laughs> and so I mean, you know, I wasn't able. To, we, they don't have all these big experiences as far as like classes and stuff. But I'm just blown away that I could even think about it. Like I want to get them a private tutor to come to the house and help them with reading. And I was like, wow. And I'm looking at it. And I'm like, I can afford this. Right. Wow. I can afford this. And there was a, t- I remember when I needed help and that just seems so far fetched. My mom didn't even look because she was right. like, you know, I don't know. I can't pay nobody because right. I'm getting help on my rent. We were, we were the kind of family that got, we were on section eight. So our rent was really low in the suburbs. Um, we would go to churches sometimes to get assistance with power bills and electric bills. And since my brother is so much older than me, it would just be me and my mom. So we would go to churches and get food boxes and, um, like, free food to help you for the week. So knowing that that was my experience and that my kids say shit like, I don't want rice and chicken. Can we have panda? And I'm like, oh. Yeah, my kids, my kids did that to me. Like, one time they was like, um, can we go to Saladang's, which is a really fancy Thai restaurant here in Pasadena. Like, about to say, thank you for explaining. Cause right, because <laughs> they're, they're like, uh, yeah, let's go to Saladang's. And I'm like, these bitches talk about Saladang's. I used to be like, we used to be like, me and my brother and my sister be like, we send the baby. We go ask if we could go to McDonald's. Because <laughs> cause it's the 16th and she got paid yesterday. So go ask if we can go to McDonald's. Yeah. Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. That's so funny. We would send the baby. So, yeah. In ter- when you put it like that, no, I'm still not surprised that I'm <laughs> 
bitch. She's like, I've been to this. Not a plan. You know what? Maybe it's because you went to Howard. That's probably why. No. But you've always had a plan, though. No, I was going to say. Has she always had a plan? I have always had. My plan, I think it was probably the first time, like, I know when it was. So this is my turn to cry, but I ain't gonna cry because I'm that kind of bitch. Who said I cried? I didn't sound like I cried. You don't be crying. <laughs> so one Christmas, I wanted a Betsy Wetsy doll. And I circled it in the Kmart circular and I showed it to my mother and she was like, all right, well, you know, I showed it like in November because I know when the paydays are, right? And I was like, <laughs> and I was probably in third or fourth grade and that was the doll I wanted. That's all I wanted. And so Christmas morning came and I opened it up and it was the, the Betsy Wetsy doll. Wow. But my mother said, Mm-mm, don't open that. I can't, you, we got to take it back. So it sat on the fucking couch in the container all like that, like, because she had to take it back. Right? But who knows what happened? Power bill came in. You know, I don't know. And then my uncle came, who has a PhD and, you know, is educated and, and had a really good job, came. And he was like, why is this doll still here like this? And she was like, because I got to take it back. He was like, let the child open the damn... You know, he gave her the money or whatever. First of all, my mother was too proud to ask, because she could have probably asked my uncle for the money to start with. But, you know, that my uncle was gracious enough to give her the money and able to give her the money. At that point in my life, I was like, I am not going to live like this. Mm. Period. Mm. Mm -hmm. You know, like, this is not going to be me. Wow, you said that was third grade? Third or fourth grade, grade. yeah. Mm -hmm. I was like, "Mm mm-mm. Yo, and so I think, so as much as I'm trying to not be, um, because you can't help it, right? If you grew up, no, you can help it. I don't want to say you can't help it. I'm working on helping it. If you grow up poor... And you grow up impoverished. It's a, your thought process it's a is different. You yeah. have to fix yes. your fucking thought process. Yeah. And raising children, unconsciously, you'll put your poverty mindset on them. And you trying to mm. you trying to level up. Right. Just thinking about my baby, she's mm-hmm. telling me how much things cost and that's expensive. And I'm like, what do you know what expensive yeah. is? You're seven. Right. You shouldn't even, but in the seven years that she's been here, she's heard me say, this is expensive. I'm not getting that. Why are we going to do this? She said to me the other day, she was like, well, usually buy the cheapest one. And I was like, I, I, I buy, the, are you saying I'm cheap? You yeah. saying I, you saying I buy cheap shit? That's <laughs> <laughs> what you're saying. That's what you're saying. <laughs> and then she switched and she was like, no, I'm not like saying you're cheap. I'm just saying that you like to save for other stuff. And I was like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's how we went that's to Europe. That, that's 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 your that's yeah. your bougie baby trying yeah. to re- rephrase. rephrase what the fuck she was saying. Because <laughs> <laughs> her mama buy her, like you know how people go and buy liquor and they be like, there's the top shelf, then there's the bottom shelf. Yeah. <laughs> I did the bottom shelf. I'm like, it's all the same. It's all the same. <laughs> that's what you tell yourself. No, goodness, <laughs> it's not it's a difference. I'm finding out now. That I've leveled up because what I did is I doubled my income in 12 months, 11, 12, 13 months. So it's all still really new, Mm -hmm. right? So I'm used to getting what I can afford, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which would be like the basics. Now I'm like, huh, if I got a tablet now, would I want it to have more space? I guess so. Would I want it to have a forward-facing camera or a better camera? I guess so. Right. But I want to figure out how to break my kids from even having my little bit of, the little bit that I'm passing down to them. Because I'm trying to change my whole mindset. And it all takes time. But mm-hmm. I don't want to make myself better. And then I have two little humans that. That are still poverty. Yeah. Poverty mindset. At least you recognize it. Right. You know. Well, because yeah. oh. I'm sorry. One of the things that I recognize is that um, the same kind of cheap, like going shopping. I've, I don't know where I read it somewhere because, you know, I've been doing research and planning for a while now. <laughs> years upon years. <laughs> yes. But instead of saying, like, no, we can't afford it, no, it's not in the budget. Right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I've heard them say that. Like, is this in the budget, Mommy? Which is a, which is exactly opposite of a poverty mindset, right? right? Because it's, we're, we're going to, we have the finite amount of money mm-hmm. and we have decided how we're going to spend it. Yes. And... That's this what, is what we spend on groceries. This is what we spend on clothing. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Which, I mean, again, 
I probably still tell them, no, that's too fucking expensive. Well, I don't cuss at my kids, but that's too expensive. <laughs> All the cussing you do, you're able to not cuss in front of your children. I didn't say in front of my children. I said at my kids. Oh. <laughs> There's a difference. So if you say, this is too fucking expensive, is I'm that cussing? I'm talking to an adult. So if you said that to a kid, that's cussing at them? Or yeah. That is? Yeah. Like if you, you're speaking directly yeah, to them. Yeah, if I'm speaking directly to them, I don't cuss. Hmm. But, okay. but if I were there and, and we're we're talking, then she would say it to me. Uh, I get it. Yeah. My current bullshit is that I'll be like, "What the?" F-? <laughs> that's, what, that's how I say it because I'll come in and I'll see. I'm like, "What the? F-? You guys." <laughs> So in the final part of this first collaboration episode, here's what you can expect from the Barely Bougie Mamas podcast. Now, if this is the first time you've heard of them, they have several episodes already released, about 12 of them. I think it's going to be 13, including this one. So let's wrap up our chat with Liliana and Tamara of Barely Bougie Mamas, also joined by my sister Leah, right here on Planet Now. So what can people expect from Barely Bougie Mamas? So you can probably expect something similar to what you just heard here, where we discuss how we started and how we plan to change. Because I think part of the Barely Bougie Mama mindset is, or not even mindset, but it's to change our poverty mindset for our children, right? And we do a little bit of kiki in. We try... (laughs) Yeah. It's a lot of... um... I've been trying to figure it out myself because it was one of those things where I just know I like to talk. I have good stories. Not like I have. That's fucking. That's so stuck up. <laughs> you know what you know about yourself. But I mean, about myself, I tell good stories. I enjoy talking and I enjoy telling the stories and I like the sound of my voice. So when Liliana asked me, I was like, okay. And I was like, but do I want to focus on me being a mother, because I was in that place, am I, am I always a mom? Is What about me? What about Tamara as oh a person? God. Oh, my God. I do this, and I do that. So it feels like the podcast <laughs> is us kind of talking about our kids, our children. I hate to say kids. Us talking about our children and, like, how we came to whatever situation that we're in, you know? And... When Lily, you have to listen to the first episode. Is that the first one, the expectations? No. That's the second one. The second one, expectations, I think, is a very telltale of the two people that you're going to be listening to. And coming into our podcast is just because you want to hear the stark contrast. Yeah. I think that's what it is. Yeah. It's the stark contrast between Liliana and I and the fact that we both still represent black women. Mm-hmm. You know, we both still represent... The, the 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 non-stereotype. We both represent married black women that are married to black men. We have our children by one man. We've lived in the house with this man and our children only. I've, neither of us have been divorced or separated. And as far as I know, neither of us have been physically abused or yeah, nothing I like know, that. Right? You know, I ain't had no issues. I mean... Like y'all so, ain't had to bail each other out. We ain't had you know to bail each other out. Down. There's no alcoholism. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's right. no drug addiction. Mm-hmm. I mean, so like... It's just regular people. And black women yeah. don't get a fucking chance to be regular. Right. Can you say that again yeah. for the Black women do not yeah. get the opportunity to be regular in this country. Yeah. Or maybe it's, in the... I don't know, but in this country for sure. Even mm-hmm. like the black girl magic. Why we gotta be fucking magical? Why can't we just be black girls? Well, I mean, I mean, we can go further on this because that black girl magic stuff, since you thought about it, it also goes back to the super, um, what did uh, Clinton say about the black man? Oh, that the he was super a, predator. The super predator. Because, you know, it's just so strong. Right, right. They're so big. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing. It's it's like a, it's like a, a big, what is that contrast? What's the word I'm looking for, Liliana? Like a. The whole thing of us having to be magic because they feel that black girls are so, you know, they hate themselves so much. And no, I don't hate me, motherfucker. You hate me. Right. You hate mm. my beautiful brown skin. You hate my thick thighs and my booty. You hate it. And you hate my skinny self and my flat ass. Too. I don't know those. <laughs> 
allowed to be a girl anymore. I'm not right. allowed to be a black girl. Yeah. I'm a black mother. I'm a black wife. I'm a black professional. Right. But, I'm just, but you know, but most of the time, I'm really just a black girl. When I'm in my car and I'm listening to Mary Mary or Meg the Stallion, I'm still a black girl. <laughs> and I think that our podcast gives you a chance to just be like, oh, okay. Black girls are regular. Right. It's the same fucking things that any other person goes through. A human experience. It's a human experience, and look at that. Black girls are human. Right. Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much. Who would have thunk it? <laughs> How did that happen? <laughs> yeah. I like our podcast. Thanks for listening to Planet Noun, where it's all about the people, places, things, and ideas that teach us, prompt us to make a difference, and do more with what life presents. You've been listening to the hosts of the new podcast, Barely Bougie Mamas, with Liliana and Tamara. It's about two moms who grew up in poverty, but they've crafted lives for themselves and their kids that are totally different from their own upbringings. And it's also about the funnies and concerns that stem from those differences. Now, this is the first cross-promotion episode for both of our shows, and there's another one that's coming up next week, a week from today, next Thursday. A theme Barely Bougie Mamas wanted to address, and it's the theme that my sister and I live, the role that unmarried and childless aunties play in family life. Honey, we knows about that. Now get all social media info about Barely Bougie Mamas at planetnown.com, as well as a link to their show on Anchor FM. I'm Liz Anderson, host of the Planet Noun podcast. Don't forget to follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We're also on SoundCloud. And please stop by Apple Podcasts and rate the show. Thanks again for stopping by. And remember, next week, another cross episode with Barely Bougie Mamas. Until then, take care.